Hello, everybody. What's happening? Brent Dax, Emily Liker here from Syracuse.com. And the smoke that has drifted back into central New York is not from the Canadian wildfires. It is from the fingers of my colleague here because she has been writing a lot in the past week. This has been the busiest offseason ever for Syracuse football. It's been incredible to see the amount of stories that have been going on and it all centers, Emily, on Syracuse running back LaQuint Allen, right? We're going to talk about this in another video. Syracuse has had this incredible run on recruiting, mm -hmm. right? It has been one of the busiest and really one of the more successful recruiting runs at this time that we've seen for Syracuse football in a while. So Syracuse football fans are feeling really good. And then Boyd did a bomb drop earlier this week with the news about LaQuint Allen. So, Emily, let's start there. For those that are just kind of catching up here, where are we at? What's going on with LaQuint Allen and Syracuse football and Syracuse University? Yeah, so on Monday afternoon around like 3, 3.30, there was a lawsuit filed uh, labeled as a John Doe versus Syracuse University. Our courts reporter, Ann Hayes, uh, was the one that actually found it at first. And through going through those filings and additional reporting, figured out the John Doe was LaQuint Allen. So Allen, who's the rising star running back for Syracuse football right now, he's the guy stepping into Sean Tucker's big old shoes that someone's got to fill. Really uh, big shoes to fill, right? Yeah. Allen is suing the school over a wrongful suspension that came from an incident that occurred back in December. So um, just to get out of the way at first, I know a lot of people are kind of like, how did no one know about right. this until yeah. now? The lawsuit wasn't filed until Monday. And like, that's kind of the first step this has taken majorly outside of the university's scope. And as we all know Syracuse University is a private university. Um, it's not often that incidents with students come out in public and are, are big news like this. Um, but yeah, so it, it was Monday afternoon around 3.30. Everyone's like thinking that they're going to go home from work when, when this filing comes in. There's a lot there, right? As you mentioned, the incident happened back in December right? He participated in spring football. Mm -hmm. He has, he part, participated in the bowl game after the incident, which happened on December 11th. So there's a lot of questions there. And you said it, Syracuse University is, is very private with a lot of things because it's a private school. And there's a lot of information they're not going to put out there unless they you know, absolutely have to, or, or frankly, if they want to, right? So let's go back to the, the Quint is at the point where he has to sue Syracuse University to get on the field. And there's a distinct difference here, Emily, that I, I want you to tell us about because the law looks at this one way, mm -hmm. right? The Onondaga County District Attorney, Bill Fitzpatrick, looked at this situation. He's quoted in, in uh, the stories that you and Ann wrote about this. And then there's a disciplinary process that Syracuse University has, which is different. So where's, I think a lot of people are looking at this saying like, who rules on this? I guess the answer is kind of both, but Syracuse ultimately holds the most power in this situation because he's been suspended for two semesters, but that process is, is a little different. So for those that aren't familiar with that, how does that go? Yeah. So when this incident happened in December, the other student involved, who's a 23-year-old male, we don't have a name on him at this point, um, he talked with both the DPS, which is like Syracuse University Police Department, and then also Syracuse Police, like the city police. And so there was both a criminal charge filed against LaQuint. It was for third-degree assault, which is a misdemeanor. That was ACD'd, which basically means that came in, but then it got 
the file got sealed. The charge was basically dropped as long as LaQuint stays out of trouble for six months. And that was from when the charge was filed, which was March 2nd, I believe his ticket was given out. So we're kind of getting close to that. We're about halfway through that six month period. So that's kind of the criminal side of things, which has nothing to do with the suspension. Uh, he's not in criminal trouble. He's not going to jail, like nothing like that. Um, but as part of the DPS side of this and the Syracuse Police University, the Syracuse University Police side of this, they notified OCS, which is the Office of Community Standards at SU. And because LaQuint broke two of the sections in the student code of conduct, I believe sections one and three, which have to do with like physical harm and getting in fights, that type of stuff. The OCS then gets to bring down a punishment that's like a school punishment. So this is a process that like any Syracuse University student could go through mm -hmm. if they broke the code of conduct. So I'm sure there are lots of other students that go through this because any anywhere in the conduct, it could be like if you get caught with like a bong in your room or like drinking, like that's something that could send you to OCS. Um, obviously for LaQuint, it was this fight. OCS through the process of an informal review, a formal hearing, and then an appeals hearing has maintained this two-semester suspension for Allen. Allen and his lawyer uh, believe that a wrongful suspension, that it doesn't match precedent. And so that's why they're suing. And I think some fans watching this, Emily, are having a little deja vu because there have been athletes in the past that have gone through OCS. And for those of you not familiar, OCS, it's a mix of university officials and students, right? It's, it's, you're, you're literally put before a jury of your peers, if you will, you can bring an attorney to your hearing, which LaQuint did, but they can only consult you. It's not mm -hmm. like they're in there. Like I object your honor. It's just like, no, you're there to like consult. So, I mean, he had to go this far with this situation. And I think that's where a lot of uh, people watching this are saying, well, wait a minute. If the district attorney said, Hey, behave yourself for six months, this goes away but Syracuse can kind of lay down their own form of justice. And I think it's, it's important to note as you and Ann wrote that the way that OCS looks at this, they only judge the night of the incident, which we should get into as well, mm -hmm. but that's what they're looking at because LaQuint Emily has been apologetic. He has offered to do a number of things to make up for this. He's basically admitted it. I was in the wrong. Mm -hmm. He has gone out of his way to say, listen, I'm sorry. I did this. What can I do to basically serve my punishment so I can be at Syracuse University? Like he has flat out said in, in the affidavits and in the writing that you and Ann said, like, I can't afford to go to Syracuse University unless I'm on a football scholarship. Mm -hmm. And as we'll talk about, this kid has been through a lot, to say the least, in the past few months here, in addition to this incident here. So there's just so much going on at once, but OCS... All they do is look at the night of the incident. And what they said, Emily, basically was in the review of this and filling what I'm missing here. But so let's go back to the night of the incident. It's December 11th. Yeah. So it's a, December 10th, 11th. It's December 10th was the Saturday. So, of course, that's the night this party starts. And early morning, December. Occurs early morning, December 11th. Uh, we believe around 2 a.m. Police reports kind of first start being filed at like 2.30. That's when like the first people talk to cops. Um, LaQuint's at a party. Uh, from what we know, there are several other teammates there. We've been able to confirm that both Deuce Chestnut, who obviously is now with LSU, but was a former Syracuse defensive back, and then um, at least one other player were involved. Terry Lockett was also 
charged criminally, but then it was discovered that he wasn't at the party. So we're kind mm -hmm. of sorting through that. But um, this is a party with several football players at it. Other athletes, probably it's at the University Village Apartments, which I've been told is usually where Syracuse football players mm -hmm. especially end up living. Um, obviously not being here, someone to tell me that. But so he's at this party. Around 2 a.m., he gets a call from Deuce, and Deuce tells him that he's been jumped by four to five people and is injured. In the court filings, there's no record of what these injuries to Deuce might mm. be. Like, it doesn't say that Alan came out and saw Deuce bloodied or anything like that. But Alan leaves the party to go find his teammate. Um, I think, as we mentioned in this morning's story, both Alan and Deuce are from New Jersey, so there's a little bit of a tie there. Um, Alan finds Deuce follows him back into the party and something Alan comes back to a lot. And we can talk about more when we get in the OCS is like, he realizes that he should not have gone back into the party that night. So that's kind of like where I think the first domino falls in this situation is he comes out and finds Deuce. And instead of both of them removing themselves from a situation that has already gotten a little turbulent, they decide to go back into the party shortly after probably a couple minutes after they return someone starts yelling at them they're like why you hit a woman like just like yelling kind of screaming things alan has no idea what's being talked about he tells this guy the 23 year old student he doesn't know what he's talking about and that's when the first punches are thrown so the 23 year old student punches dude or punches alan once in like the side of the jaw and then once in the nose bloodying his nose and then Alan, from everything, pretty much every telling that he had to do of this incident that we've now read in the in the court documents, says that he feared that he was about to be hit a third time. And that's when he decided to punch this 23-year-old student. He lands his punch, I think, in the nose, lip region. Um, from police reports, we know this 23-year-old did leave the entire scene that night with a knocked out tooth, a busted lip, and I think a head wound. Um, but as we can talk about, there's potentially more incidents involved in this night. Uh, so, but that's kind of the basis of the start of this whole process for Alan. There's a lot there. And, you know, you hear something like that. And now, you know, we've got the court documents. You and Ann did a terrific story that you guys should read on Syracuse.com that really details the timeline of this. So what LeQuint was told through the disciplinary process was, well, you should have called the police. Mm -hmm. Of course, that's sound advice. But listen, it's two o'clock in the morning. These are college kids. It's a party. You know, chaos, <clears throat> pardon me, breaks out in a situation like this. And I think LeQuint even said in one of the affidavits, you know, I, as a young African-American, I was not told to call the police in these situations. And oh, by the way, like he got a call from his teammate and his friend that he's in trouble. Right. Mm -hmm. So like I'm not trying to defend anybody. I'm not trying to offer an opinion here, but just trying to trying to put myself in that situation. Right. Friend calls me, I'm in trouble. You go chaos. It's a party. It's two in the morning. Things are happening. You're put in a situation where it's clear he had to defend himself. And you brought up the 23 year old. So I think we should focus there. We don't know who it is. We don't know the name. Has there, has that individual gone through OCS? Has anybody else been disciplined as a result of this situation? So our understanding is no, that the 23-year-old student did not have to go through the OCS process. Um, we think that's because there was not any police reports or any contacting mm. of DPS um, against him. I think if Alan or if Chestnut or if anyone else would witness this had gone to DPS from that side of the story or gone to SPD, 
then we might be looking at, at, at something different. But my understanding is OCS really only got involved and only got involved in investigating Allen because there was this police report against him. Gotcha. Okay. So we're going to talk about the football aspect of this because, you know, when the dust settles here and as we speak here in late June, we don't know if he's going to be on the football team. As of now, he's not going to be, right? The ruling was you're out for the next two semesters. So if his appeal comes through, we'll see what the situation is there. So we'll get into the football aspect of this in a second. But just to follow up on that, Emily, so what was in um, your story and was detailed by Bill Fitzpatrick, the Onondaga County District Attorney, like, tell me about that because Fitzpatrick seemed to have some doubts about the 23 year old story, the way he identified some people like he, he kind of, for lack of a better term here, kind of threw some shade on this, right? Like he wasn't confident. This was a situation that he could pursue further. Hence why he gave the, the six month ruling to LaQuint Allen, like, you know, basic mm -hmm. and Terry Lockett, correct? Like yeah. basically behave yourself six months, this goes away. So it seemed like he had some doubts. Uh, on one side of the story, at least. Yeah. So actually, this is something that Alan even brought in his OCS hearings. Is he, there's timelines included in in all these court filings that he showed to OCS of when statements by this 23 year old were made to police and and what he was able to piece together. Him and his lawyer were able to piece together about when these statements were being made and what they were being what what was being said. And it's certainly a less clear picture from the 23 year old's mm. point of view. Um, obviously these are filings in a case supporting Allen. So like we have to note that, but like the timeline of events, it takes a while for this 23 year old to get to a definitive ID on Allen mm. on Lockett, which the one on Lockett ends up being incorrect because Allen tells OCS that Lockett wasn't even there. Uh, so it's definitely murky on the 23-year-old side. Again, we don't know who the 23-year-old is, so it's a it's hard right now to try and get into that a little bit more and, and see if we can find out anything else. Um, but yeah, th they weren't ID'd until at least a month after, I think, like formally ID'd in like a, okay, sit down, here's with police showing you um, pictures and stuff like that. So the formal ID on this situation took a while to get to it. And I think that's, that's part of the murkiness of this all. So, and I think from a football standpoint, some people have wondered, okay, well, why did he play in the bowl game a couple of weeks later? Why did he go through spring practice? And look, Dino Babers can, you know, discipline a player for basically whatever he wants, you know, your shoelaces are the wrong color or something. Right. But I'm not trying to speak for Dino. He'll have the opportunity to do that, but it, it seems like they were going to keep LeQuinn on this team and a part of the team activities as long as the process played out, like you said, the OCS thing didn't even come in until February. Like nothing mm -hmm. formal came in. I mean, he, they knew about the incident, of course. And based on what they knew, they said, we're just going to let this play out and keep LeQuint on this team. We mentioned how apologetic LeQuint has been. He's brought up a number of, of uh, what were some of the things that he brought up that he would do basically to make up for this, right? Like he was offering to do charity work and, and a few other things. Yeah, there's there's a whole host. He went through three counter offers in like the span of one week mm -hmm. near the end of March, which would have been mid spring practice. So not only is he dealing with like two a day practices, some of Jeez. which start at like 7 a.m. He's also going through the, this disciplinary hearing um, and. I know in there it was like probation until his senior year. Remember, he was only a freshman when this was going on. 
probation through senior year, he talks about doing um, work with the Syracuse Police Department to talk with at-risk youth. He talks with doing additional community service. He says he'll go into counseling or anger management. Like he threw out a whole host of things he asked for instead of a summer fall suspension, he asks, well, can we do like summer and then spring 2024? Because really the issue with playing comes down to if he's not enrolled in fall, the fall semester, like that makes him act like ineligible by NCAA standards. Like that puts his grant and aid scholarship void. So he's like anything to avoid this fall 2023 semester suspension. He was trying to throw out a lot of other options that he gave them. By the way, the at the day he found this out, right? Wasn't it the it was the day of the Syracuse football spring game, April twenty first, I believe is correct me if I'm wrong. We're gonna look through the document here, but think about that. Like he, you mentioned he's going through spring practice and all this process is going on. The day of the spring game, April twenty first, that's when the hammer drops, right? That's when yeah, so something a- significant happens. April twenty first is when the hearing is his his first formal hearing. So. At that point, he had already gone through the informal review process. The two-semester suspension was already on the table. Gotcha. And he he had, I believe he had to request a formal hearing because, like, technically you can just resolve it informally is my understanding and then just go forward if you accept the punishment. But he wanted a, a formal hearing, understandably. And that's where that um, mix of student and faculty comes in. I think there's a board at this hearing. And then I also believe there's a board at the appeal, which happens later, but yeah, same day as the spring game, which he played in anyone that was there, saw him. I saw him. You saw him. Like we all saw him playing there hours before. We don't know exactly the time frame. He was in sitting with OCS. Um, that was when there was one eyewitness that Alan brought to the hearing, um, unidentified. We don't know who they are. And then a DPS officer also testified, but the 23 year old wasn't there. What's kind of crazy. And I know what a lot of people on Twitter have been wondering about is that during the informal review and the lead up to this hearing, Alan was told that he needed to arrange his own eyewitnesses. And that Mm. included this 23 year old person who he got in a fight with. And this is not someone that Alan knew. This is not like, Oh, another athlete or like someone that he was buddies with. Like this was a completely random person. So he, he says in one of the documents that, after he was told this, he realized that he had no contact information. Um, during the appeals process, OCS did find that that should not have happened, oh, that wow. he should not have been told that. That was one of two things in the appeal that they were like, yeah, that wasn't really the way that was supposed to go. Mm. Um, so that that was definitely interesting um, in terms of the formal hearing in the spring game day. By the way, just to paint a picture here of, so LeQuint's got all this going on. In the midst of this, Emily, a tragedy. His father was killed. His father was shot and killed, mm-hmm. uh, I believe, in March. It, right? His father was shot and killed on February 14th. February 14th. Uh, okay. He goes home for the funeral in March, which is why uh, the OCS process was delayed a little bit. They first notified him in February that he was being investigated, but he couldn't meet with them until after he came back from New Jersey from attending his father's funeral. So, um, yeah, that, that was going on in the midst of all of this too. And I think we should note here, and then we'll get into the football aspect of this here shortly, but think of the era we're in Emily, the transfer portal era, right? Like LeQuint is sticking this out. He wants to be here. He is fighting this. He wants to play football for Syracuse university. He wants to attend Syracuse university. Like at any point through all this, he could have just said, forget this. I'm out of here. I'm hitting the portal. 
or I mean, I make this sound simpler than it is. It's there's there's more to it, of course, but we are in a fluid era in college football where players can come and go because for any myriad of reasons, usually playing time, right? All this is on top of it. And what LeQuinn has done, and again, the OCS only looks at the day of the incident and you're judged on that night and your decisions that night, right or wrong, agree or disagree. But, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it should be noted through this whole thing, he wants to be here. He's, he's fighting this. He is doing everything he can to say, I want to be here at Syracuse University. We'll see if that continues to be the case. And I think that, you know, from a football standpoint, people hope that's the case. I mean, Emily, this was the heir apparent. This is the next guy. This is, you know, to go from Sean Tucker to LaQuinn Allen. LaQuinn in the pinstripe bowl had a heck of a game. He broke out. He really, that's what bowl games are all about too, by the way. You get a lot of players like Tucker opted out, Mikel Jones opted out, a few guys, Matthew Bergeron that, mm -hmm. you know, were up for NFL offers. So bowl games are a great opportunity to bridge that gap. You get the extra practices, you get an opportunity to showcase your younger players. And LaQuinn Allen was the guy for Syracuse. And now you're in a situation where the running back position was already one where they had a big hole to fill. And if they don't have LaQuinn Allen, here's my question. What do they have? Who's in the room? Like, this is a big question mark if LaQuinn, if this process plays out and he can't play. Yeah, it's it's a very young room right now, even with LaQuinn in it. Um, you have Juan Price. You have the Escobar brothers, you have Parkman um, and Daniels, who were the two true freshmen who enrolled early. And then there is the JUCO running back, Destin Hawkins, who SU added kind of late in the 2023 commitment cycle as this was happening with Allen. Um, and they're potentially looking at the suspension. You know, it's tough. I mean, Allen really is, is the one that when you're looking at this season, like he is clearly was going to be is going to be whatever happens with the suspension the first string running back i mean even with tucker last year he got some some snaps in there and just the numbers he was able to put up i don't have them off the top of my head right now but looking at those numbers and the number of snaps he was actually playing and mm -hmm. the attempts he had like he put up a lot and we know the wake forest game he had like a pass a catch and a rushing right, touchdown yeah. like this is a kid that can do a lot on the field and is going to be very valuable and has already been val very valuable in one season to syracuse well and you've got uh jason beck taking over the offense and from everything we know i mean there's going to be some similarities to what robert and i did of course to work together for a long time but jason beck wants to put his own mark on this offense and look emily as much as we talk about the passing game in this offense just look at tucker look at how much they relied on the running game uh laquint certainly would have the opportunity to be a running back involved in the passing game like you need that anchor like we, we've talked so much about the passing game in uh college football in the nfl in recent years but look you need a running back you need a guy you need a workhorse and I don't know if any of those other guys fit that bill. They have to prove that. I know LaQuint Allen at the very least showed he's ready to do that. So this is, you know, look, football is, is a transitional sport anyway. There's injuries. Next man up, we hear this all the time. Yeah. But this is a different kind of next man up. So I, I guess the advantage from a football standpoint is they have time to prepare here. Like they know this would be mm -hmm. like if a player got hurt in spring ball and you know he's not going to play in the fall, but man, you only have so many reps. They're going to go through summer ball. You're going to go through one um, training camp here starting in August. 
And Emily, this is an important year for this team. Obviously, this is the eighth year for Dino Babers. They're coming off a winning season. They're coming off a bowl game. They want to keep that momentum going. You know, as we'll cover in another video, they've had some momentum recruiting wise. Like mm -hmm. you want to keep this going, but look, Syracuse can only lose so many stars if it's going to be successful. And to start day one, if in fact this holds up without LaQuint Allen, that's a dent. Yeah. So I think it's important to note right now that. So on Monday, shortly after this, this filing came in, the judge in, in the trial, who's going to try the lawsuit did put a temporary stay on Alan's suspension. Is that judge Antonacci? Yes. yes. Antonacci. Yeah. 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 Um, until the court date, which is July 19th. So as we understand it between now and July 19th, Alan can come in return to practices beyond campus between May 15th and this past Monday, he wasn't allowed to be around. If you're suspended from school, you can't be on campus. You can't be living in student housing, any of that stuff. You can't be going through summer workouts. Um, so we we do believe with this stay, he'll be back and they'll they'll get to work with him a little bit, regardless of what happens on J July July 19th. Excuse me, but um, I think that's important to note. So, but yeah, if he's not around, I think Price is the next guy up. He is the oldest. He has experience at New Mexico State, not as much here, but um, it's a veteran guy who I think is a little more reliable than some of these younger guys. I mean, the two true freshmen, Muafuk Parkman and Ike Daniels, are both very talented guys, like top of their kind of state recruiting classes last year, but they're true freshmen. They've right. had only a couple weeks of practice under their belt, and that's kind of tough, tough position to throw someone in in like the first week of the collegiate season as an 18-year-old, you know. That's a lot. That is a lot in that situation. And we will continue to cover the story. Uh, Emily and Ann Hayes have done an incredible job uh, following this. So please check out their coverage on Syracuse.com. You see it right there on the screen, our YouTube channel, Syracuse Orange Sports. Emily and I uh, did another video about recruiting. All right. There has been a run on recruiting. It has been incredible to see the amount of commitments. We went through all of that. So check out Syracuse Orange Sports on YouTube. I'll put the video in the uh, in the description of this video as well uh, on our recruiting conversation. But uh, continue to follow all the coverage on Syracuse.com with the latest on LaQuint Allen and Syracuse football. Thank you, Emily. And thank you for watching, everybody. We'll catch you next time.